Most of you will know, but if you're a visitor again, just to say you're welcome. But for a number of weeks, we have been looking at the names of God. Um, and uh, in the psalm, early psalm talks about those who know your name will trust in you. And we just, we just so enjoy going through the names of God. And we've got a couple uh, left, or a couple of weeks left. Uh, we're going to get through most of them, uh, I, I hope. Uh, Paul's going to be speaking to us next week on Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. And, uh, and then just before Christmas, I want to speak on the Lord who heals. Um, so I do pray for that because I really, I really want to serve us and help us well in that whole subject of the Lord who heals. But today, we've got one, we've got one of those ones that people try to avoid because they can't pronounce it, okay? This, this is one that's got a TS. Now, if, you, if you've been to Africa or you're used to African languages, this is a, it's one of those, okay? But for ease today, I'm just going to say Sid, okay? Sid, Sid Kenu or Kenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Righteousness really... Essentially, it means rightness. Whenever I find a big word in the Bible, I always try and break it down into smaller words within the word. I've done that ever since I was a, a, a child growing up with J.N. Darby's Bible. Some of you don't even know what that Bible is, but it was a version of the authorised and lots of words. I didn't know what they were. And, and, but what I would do is I just would take a bit of the word and try and break it down and go, oh yeah, righteousness means rightness. And of course, we're talking about the rightness of God, the righteousness of God, the right standing, our position before God. And of course, outside of Jesus, outside of our relationship with God, the Bible says that we are, we are dead. We, we, we've been removed from God because of our sin. There is this separation. Righteousness has been broken. Our right standing has been broken. We, we can't come into God's presence, but there is hope. Hallelujah. There is a message of hope. But we're just going to step into um, a situation in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet. In other words, he's someone who's, who's been gifted by God to hear from God, to understand God's heart, and to speak the words of God to his people. He's, uh, he's a prophet. He's receiving God's heart, and he's speaking God's heart to his people. And God is angry in this situation. Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord Yahweh. Therefore, this is what Yahweh, I am, the great I am, the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all of the countries where I've driven them, I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David, or on David's line, a righteous branch. Stay with me, there's some weird language here, okay, I'm going to unpack it. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. That branch it's referring to, the Lord Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your justice and your righteousness. We thank you for all the things that you are to us, all the things that you have become to us in Christ. We pray today for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know and understand you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. There is a Greek proverb that says this, the fish stinks from the head down. Okay. Actually, that's quite a good picture of leadership, especially, especially bad leadership. See, it doesn't matter where you look in society today, whether it be in marriage or family life, whether it be a country and its government, a company, a business, or a church, if it's wobbling, if it's got real challenges, it's highly likely that at its heart is an issue of leadership. Leadership is influence. I very much believe that. That's not an original phrase to me. Uh, It's a man called John Maxwell. But leadership is influence, and influence can be for good or for bad. Leadership can build, it can encourage, it can strengthen, it can bring security. Or it can disrupt, it can tear down, it can cause division, cause mistrust and insecurity. The reality is that whatever the group, the organisation of any type any shape, any size, whether, whether it be the small family unit or whether it be a huge multinational company, they can easily and often do take on the characteristics of the leadership, of their leaders. And that was certainly true in the time of the Old Testament. I want to unpack a little bit these verses, but just before I do, I'm going to tread on some very hallowed ground and hopefully not walk on too many eggshells and any other cliches that I can think of because I just want to take a moment to recognise that, of course, we are living right now in our current political situation in a huge context where there is much discussion about leadership and its impact. The reality is, for all of us, we have all sorts of thoughts and opinions. Even this morning, as we were gathering, some of those were being expressed. We have thoughts and opinions about different individuals, about policies, about actions and reactions, and so on. Now, some of us will keep those thoughts very much to ourselves. 
Some of us will want to share them. That's okay. It's okay to share them. Now, you'll be pleased to hear, I'm sure, it is not my place to tell you how to vote or who to vote for. I want to be really, really honest with you. Even if I wanted to, I'm sure, like many of you, I am still in the place of a great deal of personal uncertainty about what is the best, what is the right thing to do. I want to be real with you. I am. I'm thinking, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm reflecting. But I will say a couple of things that I believe are important as we walk up to this general election. And, and it just sits here. And I just felt as I read this scripture through and saw God's, what God was saying about what was happening in the nation and the leadership, I thought, no, I think this is a moment to share. This is because sometimes we can have a bit of an elephant in the room, can't we? It's like it's there, but nobody wants to talk about it. But some of us will be brave and say, I want to talk about it. I, I want to take a moment just to, to say a couple of things that I believe are important. Firstly, this, brothers and sisters, we have an enemy. We don't talk about him much, we don't want to give him any glory, but we have an enemy. An enemy, in the words of John chapter 10, who wants to rob, steal, and destroy. If he can rob us of our unity, if he can steal our peace, if he can destroy our relationships, then he is delighted. Brothers and sisters, we must not let him. Amen? We must not let him. So I and you and we must pray for unity, but not only to pray, to work for unity. Work for unity. And there, there are things that we can do with that. Undoubtedly, there will be different opinions in this room. Undoubtedly, there will be. Not everybody thinks like you do. I know that might be a shock or a surprise to you, not everybody will think the same way politically as you do. That is the reality. There will be different opinions in this room. I want, again, I want to say that is okay. But at the same time, we need to make a choice against division. We need to choose to be against division. What does that look like? I believe for myself, um, and I was practicing it even this morning, Ashley will, will smile. But we choose to talk with respect and with grace to one another. And we choose to talk with respect and grace about the people whom we are commenting on. However bonkers or balmy we might think they are, it's how we speak. Because out of the mouth, the heart flows. Okay, It's from the heart that the mouth flows. Flows. And so we need to be thinking, how are we speaking to one another? Particularly, how are we speaking about one another who clearly have got a different standing or an opinion to mine? How are we speaking about those who are putting themselves forward for whatever reason, whatever their agenda? How are we speaking about them? I want to encourage us with a heart and an attitude of respect and grace. Amen? So I urge us to think carefully about what we say and how we say it. And I want to say it for the sake of the gospel. 
for the sake of our, our witness to others. Those who know that we are believers, they know we're followers of Jesus Christ. How we are speaking about one another, how we're speaking about the whole situation, especially, I want to say, in terms of in public and on social media. Just to tell you for myself where I, I always go, and I've been through quite a few general elections one way and another now over the years, where possible, I always try to understand the character and the heart of my local candidates. That's not always easy. Sometimes uh, what you're being told is not a great deal or you just don't know them. I've had the privilege over the years sometimes of knowing uh, a candidate standing uh, for Parliament quite personally and have been able to get to know them. Uh, Candidates on different sides um, of, of the benches, as it were. But I always try to find out something of their heart, what they, they stand for. That's not always easy. But fundamentally, what I'm looking for, as I walk towards it, I'm looking for the good, and I'm particularly looking for the heart of Jesus and the hand of God. That's what I'm always looking for. I'm looking for the heart of Jesus, the hand of God, particularly because I believe it's so strong through the whole of the Bible. I'm looking for the hand of God towards those who are facing poverty and injustice, where care and attention is given to the most vulnerable and the most marginalised in society. That's what I'm looking for. Now, before you think, oh, Mark, that sounds like you're making a political statement with that, I want to assure you I'm not. Because I genuinely think that can be found in a number of different individuals and in a number of different parties. But that's what I'm looking for. The best as I can, that's what I'm looking for. My heart is that the enemy would not divide us, but that God would get the glory... And that whatever the result on December 13th, we come together. Whatever we've stood for, we as a body of people right here, we come together, we're united in heart and we're actively praying for whoever God puts into government. I want to say that again. We are praying for whoever God puts into government. Because we need to remember that scripture, it's him who raises It's him who raises kings and government. It's him who brings them into place. Now you might want to say, Father God, I have no idea what you're doing in this particular moment with this particular person. But we need to know that we have a God who is sovereign and he's working. Now he's working through you and I, which is why I would encourage you to vote in some form or other. Not just to say, I can't do, but to trust the Lord and be led by the Lord's. Because what we do know, end of announcement by the way, and in in encouragement, I hope that encourages you and helps you, but what we do know is this, God takes leadership extremely seriously. If you read the books of Kings and Chronicles, you can see about the influence and the impact that leadership has on God's people. Both evil, evil kings producing an evil nation. Good kings bringing about the potential of revival, spiritual revival. God, in this instance, in this moment, this is a situation where evil is reigning, where destruction and division is reigning, and God steps in and displays 
his heart. God speaks into this situation of bad leadership which has plagued Israel for a great deal of its history and he promises he's going to raise up a righteous king. A king who will bring about, in the, in the words of verse 5, justice and righteousness in the land. That's what we want, don't we? That's what we pray for. This is the heart of God right here. Thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, God's heart is that there might be justice and righteousness, right living, honouring of God and God's ways in the land. And so these are things that can inform us. Now this phrase that is used is this unusual word, branch. Okay, It's a picture that's used in a number of times by God throughout the Bible. Trees are powerful symbols in the Bible, and they're certain because the Bible, much of the Bible is based in an agricultural society, agricultural uh, world. Trees are very powerful. They're often uh, places to meet, um, sometimes seen as sacred. Um, you can find Abraham meeting, tent, uh, pitching his tents under a great big tree at Mamre. They're sacred. There's something very special about them. Of course, if you own a lot of trees, you've got a great deal of wealth. And you think of the pictures of Solomon and all the great uh, cedars of Lebanon, pictures and stories like that. Wealth brings power. So you, you think trees? How does, but if you own trees, uh, you have wealth and power. But tree, there are pictures of trees being cut down in the Bible. Trees, uh, pictures of trees being planted, things growing up. This picture of the branch that is mentioned is also linked to another word that we read there. Did you hear the words? This is a word I grew up with when I was a little boy. The word remnant. Has anybody ever heard that word before? I used to hear that in the brethren. When I grew up in the brethren as a little boy, we were the remnant. We were the only church that had got it right. That's what we were told. Um, and we were this remnant. This, and a remnant, what is a remnant? Well, it, it's, it's a small piece, isn't it? Left over. It's, a, it's often, you think of it in these days in terms of cloth. It's that, that piece of cloth. But there is a, there's a, again, symbolic message right the way through the Bible that talks about a remnant, a remaining, as it were, a remaining group. And if we just pick up on Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 20, uh, it says this, In that day the remnant of Israel, the survivors of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. A remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. And you say, Mark, where is this all going? What's going on here? I want to say this. God's heart is this. However hard, however challenging, however at times people remove themselves from him, however uh, disobedient there are, there will always be a remnant. God will always have a people from himself. However much people might remove themselves from God, he does not remove himself from us. Amen? He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Amen. I think it's vital that we hear this, particularly in our current day. However hard, however challenging, however much of a a mess 
uh, things may seem to be at times. Whatever, whether it be politics or family life or work life, any of these other, our response can, in fact, our response should be, but God. But God. We can say, look, look at the state of the world. Look at the state of this situation. Look at the state of family life. Look at the state of knife crime or drug crime, whatever it might be. But into that, we need to speak over and over and over again, but God. But God. And that's where we're, we're leading with this. It's so important. There is always purpose. There is always hope. There is one name in whom we can trust. We've been looking at it. He's our shepherd. He's always there. He's our peace. He's our healer. He's our banner. He's the Lord of hosts. He will provide everything, including our right standing before him. The situation in Jeremiah 23 is a mess. It's evil. Shepherds, the leaders who should be caring for, loving and leading the flock, God's people are in fact, in the words of God, destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Because of that, judgment is coming on them. But, more than that, God is going to step in. He's going to step in with his promise. Everything looked doomed. Everything looked in an absolute mess. But Jeremiah prophetically looks beyond he looks further. And I want to say that to us today. As we, as, as even, you know, as December 12th looms up, December 13th, whatever, and whatever happens beyond that. But there may be things. Maybe you're thinking about the new year. You're starting to think about next year. And there may be things that, as it were, are looming. What I want to say to us is that there are, we need to look beyond to see the hand of God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because Jeremiah looks beyond the immediate circumstance and he sees something. He sees a twig. He sees a shoot. The thing about shoots and twigs is that they speak of hope, don't they? We love springs. One of the reasons we love spring. I'm, I'm still getting used to living on the island and, uh, and not living in Swindon when it comes to the garden and everything. So I've got plants that are just completely still in full flower in the middle of November, which is bizarre. But I was having a bit of a sort out in the, in the garden yesterday and uh, I found all the pots uh, down the end of the garden and suddenly, oh look, there are shoots. There are shoots springing up already um, uh, some of my tetetets and some of my grape hyacinths and all the other things, they're shooting, they're coming through already. Now, it's partly Isle of Wight confusion and temperatures and all those things, but anyway, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But you, Jeremiah, see, you see, there's a twig, there's a branch. It looks dead, completely dead. I feel like if this was Simon Jones, he'd have all sorts of pictures and graphics up here, but I'm trying to do it verbally. Anyway. And he sees what God calls a righteous branch that will bear righteous fruit. And that's what I want us to hear. 
Because we can look at leaders, we can look at different situations, whether that be immediate to us in marriage situations or work dynamics, managers within the work dynamic, or whether it's nationally or even internationally, nations and so on, and we can look and we can lose sight of there is a branch that bears fruit, righteous fruit. Now Isaiah as we've said, has this description of the same thing. I I read from Isaiah chapter 10, where he says a remnant will be saved. God's judgment is going to come on their enemies. And I said to you, trees are are often there, and and things to do with trees. I just want, I'm going to read you something. These are very famous verses. It's going to take just a, a minute or so, but I want you to come with me as you hear it being read to you. You might want to close your eyes, you want, but whatever you do, don't go to sleep, but open your ears and open your heart. All right? And just hear the picture of God. Okay? It starts in chapter 10 of Isaiah, if you're following with me. See, the Lord, the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs with great power. Right? He's talking about the enemies of God. You'll lop off the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon, which is a picture of trees, will fall before the mighty one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and David's line. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt. Faithfulness will be the sash around his waist. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. For unto us a child is born. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion and the will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. The young child put his hand into the viper's nest. There will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner. That's last Sunday's sermon. God, my banner. A banner for the people. The nations will rally to him. As I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left from his people, Assyria. He will raise up a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was for Israel. When they came up from Egypt, 
In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away. You have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Not only will this miraculous, righteous branch appear out of what seems dead and lost, there will be a kingdom, a reigning and a ruling that will be utterly different to the one that we see seems to be seemingly in power at the moment. Not only will he be righteous in the way that he acts towards the lost and the lonely, to the bruised and the broken, but this king is given the name Yahweh Sidkenu, our righteousness. It's not that he's going to be righteous. Of course he is, but that's not the point. The point is he's going to be righteous on behalf of the people. He is our righteousness. That's what's so important here. For those living on the other side of the cross, which is us, which is you and I, as we've shared communion this morning, we now know who that is. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. I want us just to hear that, come back to it in a moment, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. What's the wisdom from God that he's become? That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That means he's paid the price. Therefore, it is written, let no one who boasts Boast. Uh, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we live in a world, we live in a society where there's a lot of boasting going on about all sorts of things, all sorts of accomplishments. There's a great deal of self-justifying, excusing and explaining. But the truth is that, brothers and sisters, we are nothing without Christ. We are nothing without the life that he has given to us. See, I still think that there are people who would say, I'm not not totally sure about God. don't know about God. But if he does exist, I'll be all right because essentially I'm a good person. 
I've never done anything really bad. And anything bad I have done, well, that will be balanced out by the good that I seek to try and do. But of course, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us something very different. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts, our flesh following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin, in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ. He raised us up didn't just say, save you, now get on with it. He raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by works, good deeds, acts of kindness, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Loved what Hannah was just sharing there in the communion. We are God's handiwork. Each one of us, every single one of us, has been created by God. Differently, unique. Not one of us is a mistake. Created by God. God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus is our righteousness. He's perfect every way. He fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. If we had time, we could read many scriptures about that. But he fulfilled it, even becoming the greatest sacrifice by giving his own life. We, we sang about the lamb. For some of you, you might go, that's an odd phrase. Why that lamb? It's a picture of sacrifice. The picture that Jesus was the Lamb of God. He, he died in our place. No longer a need for the sacrificial system. No longer a need for the, the finger to be pointed at us continuously. You're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. Something's got to die. If you're not going to die, it'll have to be an animal. Jesus died once for all to bring us to God. When we're united by faith in Christ, what does that mean? By believing in who he is, by believing that he died and rose again, that we put our faith in that, we are united with Christ. Do you know what happens? God counts all the perfection of Jesus and he looks at me and he says, you are completely perfect because of Jesus. Because you are now in Jesus. He has become our righteousness. Doesn't matter how hard I try to get right with God, how hard I try to please Him, I'm always going to fail. I'm always going to let Him down in some way or another. I might have one particular day that seems to go really well, and then just at the end of the day, ah, oh, failed again. Jesus was perfect in every way. 
And we are in Christ. He has become our righteousness. And as we put our faith, as we trust in him, God counts that perfection as ours. To quote that great song, Grace Alone, I had no righteousness of my own. I had no right to draw near to the throne of the Father. But the Father loved me still. That's what I just want us to get hold of. The Father loved I didn't have righteousness. I didn't have a right standing. But the Father loved me still. And so I no longer have to work my fingers down to the bone only to discover nothing could atone. Nothing could pay. Nothing could pay that price. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I've tried every effort. No, nothing could do it. Nothing could pay it. Because Jesus, you paid my debt. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, I think possibly one of my most favourite verses in the Bible. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. Most astonishing verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is our righteousness. Yahweh. Sikanu. Our righteousness. Everything that the law required of us that we could never get right, Jesus performed perfectly. And now we are in Christ. His perfect deeds are counted as ours. Our righteousness, our right standing before God does not come from within ourselves because we are dead outside of Christ. No, our righteousness, therefore our boasting, our hope, our faith rests entirely on a righteous branch. Our great champion, King Jesus, Yahweh, our righteousness. Can I invite you to stand? Hannah's, uh, Hannah's got to come and help us. Or somebody, yeah. Oh, you've got to go and get her. Brilliant. Let's stand together. Hannah's going to come and help us sing Grace Alone in just a moment. Let me, let me pray. And let me read this scripture, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul, Philippians 1. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Heavenly Father, that's what we pray now for ourselves. We want to grow. We want to grow in you. We want to grow in our love for one another. 
We want to grow in our love for those who don't yet know you. We want to grow in our knowledge of you. Deeper and deeper with you. We thank you for these great names that we've been looking at. Names that speak of your nature, of your character, of your heart, of your desire and passion to save us and heal us and bring us into your presence. We pray for a spirit in these days that helps us to discern what is best and what is right. Lord, we, we hear many voices. we receiving many pamphlets even through our doors. Lord, we're, we're seeing many things, hearing many things. We want to discern what is best, what is right. We want your spirit within us. We turn again to you. We look again to you that we might be known as your people, people who are righteous, not by our own deeds. Lord, we we want to be those who are a blessing, but it's because you have first blessed us. We want to do good. It's because you have first done good to us. We want to reach out in mercy and grace and justice and love. It's because you first reached out to us in mercy and justice and grace and love. Lord, that we might be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God's.